Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Okay, welcome everybody. Uh, we are glad to be back with you here, um, recording again. Life List, a birding podcast. Hello, my name hello. George. Uh, my name is George Armistead, and I am with Alvaro Jaramillo. How are you today? Alvaro? Yes, I am here. I just I popped in early there because uh, you know. Oh man! Just I, I should have let you do your full on introduction, <laughs> but I, I I knew you were going to go on too long about yourself. No, yes, just, I've been I've been uh, I've been criticized before for being a little long winded. Yes, it's true. Yeah, me too. Especially if goals are involved or tertial mm-hmm. edges. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll keep mm-hmm. it. I, I'll keep that to other times, other places because yeah, we're here to yeah. we're here to yeah. entertain. And yeah, educate. Keep, keep the golf stuff to yourself, man. Keep really. Yeah. I mean, who, who wants to hear that business? Honestly, I know, I know. It's all tanager yeah, talk. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's you know. Let's soup it up and do it right. So, tell me what has been going on out your way, man. It's uh, spring shaping up well. Or are you seeing some stuff? You've been getting outside. Yeah, a little. You know, a little bit. It's it's interesting. Um, I think. Um, it, it's going to be, I'll be like a, a run on sentence on the, this because I'm always talking about how different migration is in the West and in the East. So we have this like really like long, long, long migration, you know? So, um, you know, it starts so early and you, but you never have that kind of like, boom, you know, it's, it's here, it's happening. It's crazy. The only thing I kind of get that way is uh, the loons. Like the, when the loons are migrating offshore, it can be just like, so many, you know, and it's just like, and they're going through, there's, you know, good number of loons. Um, the kind of last week, we usually, you know, see a lot of surf scoters and there was a white wing scoter in with the local flock. And then a couple of days later, two black scoters. So that was kind of like, you know, three scoter species, um, basically at the end of my street was really cool. And Man, you know, the, the excitement for me was a Franklin's goal that flew over my house, you know, like oh, that. I mean, that it's not a common bird. It's not incredibly rare either. They just are sort of these, some springs they go through here, you know, right along the coast, like right along the coast. I mean, hugging the coast. So awesome the fact that it flew in. Yeah. yeah. And such an awesome uh, migrant, right? Like, I mean, you see them yeah. on your trips down in Chile and in the wind in the wintering grounds down there and then to know yeah. where they're headed up to the prairie yeah. potholes you're pretty lucky to get one there i imagine i know uh, so it was kind of an ex- it's an exciting thing like even you know i posted about it and a lot of the chileans kind of were liking it because they know that bird and you know the canadians are you know the, the prairie folks are yeah it's kind of a connection bird you know like wimbrel i think of it too like a I see wimbrels here and I think of all the places I see wimbrels in and how, you know, sounds silly, but birds do connect us, not just places, mm-hmm. but people. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's kind of my excitement. Kind of a couple of ducks, loons are going through, you know, and long migration, Franklin's goal. Franklin's goal. <laughs> I could go Great on. But why nice did you go on? Was, what was the, was the Franklin you had? It was a nice pink one. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, real rosy, real pinky, rosy. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Alvaro, but I believe that the Franklin's gull is one of two birds in North America undergoes complete molt twice a year. Isn't that isn't that an answer to a trivia question? I think that could be an answer to a trivia question, but uh, yes. But weirdly enough, I know the Franklin's gull is one, but I'm blanking out on what the other one is. Oh. And from I, the guy that, who wrote the book, no less. Oh, it's bobbling. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there we go. That 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 did it for me. I was like I locked it in. It locked it nice. in for me. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that one. I love that. I love bird trivia like that. And that's that's one of my favorite questions. On those long car rides on tour, these are useful <laughs> questions to have. So, yeah, I mean, around here, it, it is kind of like, uh, it's a gray day today, gray, not much wind, um, but we are getting closer and closer to, you know, warbler mania 
when the warblers really hit and like yeah. the first ones are just kind of showing up a bunch of my friends uh in the last few days have seen hooded warblers which really seem to hit uh south of us i've seen people reporting them you know as you might expect more yellow-throated warblers have been seen sparingly the last few weeks louisiana water thrush which i just think is such a cool bird and mm-hmm. one, one of the earliest migrants. Yes, exactly. It's like around here, usually it's, you know, like 25th of March or something, you could start to, to look for it, uh, and, and hope to have a reasonable chance to see it. Um, you know, even when it, there can still be snow here and, and frosts. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I actually have not connected with that this year here in the city of Philadelphia or actually for the last couple of years. It's really been a bird I've been wanting. To see, but did go to the Heinz Refuge here this weekend, um, kind of targeting the marsh there, hoping to find rails. And went out there at dawn with a buddy of mine, Liam, and we just kind of like k- keeping our ears peeled, you know, as the sun was rising. Finally, heard a Virginia rail grunting away, doing it. It's sort of like I like to think of it as like the Three Stooges call. They kind of go, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah, That's uh, curly. I think it was. Yeah, it was curly. I think. Yeah. Not Mo. Yeah. Um, Not Mo. But uh, yeah, he did the like the right. I can't remember. (laughs) Yeah. I think that was curly too. Oh, is that curly also? I'm getting my three. You you know, I was like, Mo was a guy that always hitting everybody. You know, it's like, you know, he was kind of the leader. So he's always hitting them. Yeah. You know, you you can't probably can't watch the Three Stooges these days. No, I, you know, with, I was going to say, not yeah. <laughs> Even though I believe violence, I believe I think it was Larry is from the city of Philadelphia, born right downtown here, just a few really? blocks away. If I remember right, it's one of them. I think it was Larry, but yeah. So at any rate, we got our not to get too far afield here. We did get <laughs> our uh, Virginia Rail, and we heard it, and like you know. Sounded off, grunted a few times, but it was it sounded like it was further away than it was. You know how rails do that? They kind of like they sound off and you're not exactly sure where they are. All of a sudden we realized this thing's on the mud, just like running around like a little chicken, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh and we're watching it and I was like, Oh, there's another one. And look over and I was like, Oh, it's, maybe it's a pair here, you know, that'd be awesome. But locally, you know, regionally not uncommon at all. But locally, right here in the city, we don't have a lot of rail habitat. And uh, so I knew people would be kind of excited about it. But turned out the other bird was not a Virginia rail at all, but was a Sora. And uh, and they were both just kind of feeding in the dark, early morning light you know, on the mud there, running around, pecking at stuff in the mud. And they looked pretty happy. And we just watched them for a while. I managed to get some pretty good pictures of the Sora. Um so that was just real nice. And then we had actually, you know, later in the day had an orange crown warbler showing orange in the crown, which, you know, I know you guys oh, yeah. see that out west a bit, but yeah, here, yeah, you, it's the you breeding here. Yeah. Yeah. You don't I mean, we don't see orange crowns a whole lot. It's kind of an uncommon scarce migrant here. And to see one showing orange in the crown is even rarer. So uh so that was real nice. Nice uh nice kind of first spring you know, day. You know, interesting thing about rails is you you know Historically, you know, before we we messed around uh, with islands, there were all of these rails on multiple islands, many of them flightless. And I, I was just reading a paper recently about you know the relationships of all these rails, and and they all the flightless ones aren't necessarily related to each other, which maybe, you know somehow maybe you would expect that. Oh, okay, all these, you know, there was like some rail that went crazy migrating everywhere and you know had a tendency to go flightless but there's multiple lines that have gone flightless all over the world and uh yeah it's kind of interesting you know like um it's like they become mammals in a sense like when they they <laughs> they've landed on these little islands and the right habitat was there and there were no predators they just become like mice and like then, a rodent yeah. like a rodent yeah, yeah. yeah. um it's it's uh it's cool it's also sad you know to see how many we've lost how many of these rails are gone you know yeah can you imagine going like you got a hawaii trip coming up imagine if you could still see hawaiian rail out there how cool that would be yeah i know it'd be yeah but 
but as a tour leader, maybe it wouldn't be so cool because we'd be sitting there, you know, <laughs> spending 15 hours to try to see this one bird that, you know, you have a 30% chance of seeing. Yeah. You know, we're, I'm not we're trying to suggest. Yeah. I'm not trying to suggest that bird tour leaders dislike their job, but there are certain birds that we're very mm. excited to see, but we never really ex- are excited for, to look for them. You know? oh. And there are certain uh, splits you're not terribly happy about either. You know, some of these, our friends here in Philly, uh, going to split all the catharis thrushes a million different ways. And I'm like, thanks. Well, you know, that gives us a bunch more endemics to look for, but, uh, you know, yeah. separating them will be a, a real treat. But yeah, when I think of like tour leader birds that are like my least favorite to look for, you know, mangrove cuckoo ranks high. I've done enough South Florida trips where you have to look for mangrove cuckoo. And, you know, even using audio lures isn't that helpful because they're just, they're, they hear a lot of that and they don't really respond. So you really have to find them. And, uh, and like Lacan's Thrasher is another one. Oh, yeah. Be real, real tricky. Those two yeah. North American birds. From a, a world perspective, though, the mangrove cuckoo on some of the lesser Antillean islands is like super abundant and you just sort of yeah. see it walking around, you know? So, At all like, I mean, not the cuckoo walking around, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, you see him. You see him at all. I, like I remember being shocked by that in Puerto Rico, seeing you know mangrove cuckoos up, you know, a couple hundred feet or higher, you know, in uh, in elevation. Uh, yeah, in the, in the islands, pretty strange. You'd mentioned where we both have spent some time in the West Indies and uh, and uh, and in the Caribbean in general, um, and. Uh, Good place for mangrove cuckoos, of course. Good place for house wrens, which I know are one of your kind of pet projects you want to you want to get into. And um, and I saw you'd posted about Saint Vincent, where things are starting to look a little little grim. Yeah. So I mean, it, it, it'll all depend on when this airs, but you know, this this could be sort of a done deal, or it could be ongoing. Um, there's a lot of the southern Lesser Antilles are volcanic and, you know, have these explosive volcanoes. And that's what's happening on, on the island of St. Vincent, which is, you know, in the nation of St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And um, it's happened before, a few years ago, you know, probably now 20 years ago, on Montserrat, uh, which is an, another island that's got had you know wonderful town and beautiful habitat that, half of the island was destroyed by by a volcano by the way it seems like every single volcano in the lesser antilles is called soufrier so <laughs> just so you know like i think they, both they, of these were soufrier um is that, is that like a is that like from the root word to suffer or or it, is it, it just, might be, yeah, yeah i mean yeah. this is where i'm 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 gonna feign i'm gonna you know my ignorance is gonna show but i would assume so and you know nobody right. somebody's gonna write an angry letter saying, no, it doesn't. It's from the French for, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we're happy to be educated. Yeah, we certainly can use yeah. that. But so, yeah, the, the, um, the volcano on St. Vincent is, uh, you know, having this violent ash eruption and, you know, pyroclastic flows and all this kind of thing. And it's, a, it's an island known for some great birds, specifically, I think – top of the line bird that comes up is St. Vincent parrot because it's wonderful looking and it's, it's really rare and endemic to the Island. But there are all sorts of other interesting birds there, you know, the whistling warbler, which is this really cool looking warbler without close relatives. In fact, is that and, one has got like two, is it, is it just, is it its own family or is it one other bird in that family? Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's actually in the typical New World warblers still, but oh, it's okay. like an early lineage. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. But you know, we have to. Look. Yeah, things change so fast, George. You can't keep it's up. True. It's but very true. I, I was thinking about the fact that you know, so this is a, a beautiful island with wonderful people, an amazing sort of general place to visit. We go there to see birds. Uh, we get connected to these places that the average person, you know, 
has not been to or even heard of sometimes, you know, and it, 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 as a birder or as a, you know, world birder, you have so many connections to little spots. Even if you've never been there, you know, you, why, what, what it might look like or what, you know, what birds might be there, what the habitat might be like. We have this different emotional reaction sometimes to world events like a volcano because it's, you know, just a lot of people, it's like, oh, some volcanoes going off on some random island in the middle of the, you know, Caribbean. But for us, it's like, I know, you know, the house friends are cool out there. I know where to find, you know, the, it's one out of all of the lesser Antillean islands. It has the most restricted population of carob grackles of all things, you know, and all these connections that started coming back to me. And, um, you know, you, you just, uh, it's kind of tough sometimes, you know, hear all this news about places you have a fondness for. And it was kind of a, you know, that's how I saw it. You know, it's kind of crap news. And I know volcanoes are natural and, you know, that ash might actually fortify the forest long-term and there might be, uh, gosh, you know, even uh, all sorts of positive changes. But in the meantime, you just don't know. And the uncertainty of what's happening is, uh, is difficult. And uh, yeah, but St. Vincent, uh, is that the, that's the one, the parrot there is the Cicero. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's Dominica. Um, Oh, that's the Dominica one. Okay. Yeah. This got the Cicero and the, uh, the, you know, the Imperial and the. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, it's been too long since I, I've been to the the greater Antilles, but never the lesser Antilles. The warblers we were discussing, or that I was thinking of, I was thinking of yellow-headed warbler, an Orient warbler, both of which Oriente, are, yeah. are in the warbler family, as you said, Perulidae, but uh, in the genus uh, Teratistris. Now, hold on a second. Those two are now a different family. That's what I thought. Yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, I just okay, so that's what you said. Yeah, they're Cuban. But I thought that they were in their own family. Yeah. Yeah. But those were not the ones you were talking about. Yeah, it's, yeah, Whistling Warbler's got kind of these glasses and what kind of looks like white glasses. It's got this funny white stripe on the neck, which is just unusual looking. You know, it looks like, a, you know, it doesn't quite look right for a warbler. You know. Yeah, no, they look totally strange. I'd love to see those things someday. I've, I've spent time in Jamaica and Puerto Rico and spent a couple days in Cuba, but I really didn't get to see much there, and I still have to go to the DR. I posted the other day about the uh, um, the Puerto Rican sharpshint hawk, um, which, uh, you know, you get these Facebook memories, and often they're like something stupid, but every now and then they, they give you like a real nugget, you know, and uh, – and that was a nice nugget. I'd actually totally lost this picture. I don't even, you know, it was back, I think I posted it in 2009 or 2010 or something. And just a beautiful little exhibitor, really well marked, tiny little thing, got like dark eyes. You know, the legs look tiny on this thing. Like it looks like it eats, you know, it eats crickets or something. Uh, I don't know what they feast on. And I knew when we were seeing them back then, it was you know, over a decade ago before a lot of these storms had hit and wiped out a lot of the the big trees, which they need, I gather. Um, and uh, I think at the time we thought there was about 250 or so left. And then I saw maybe two, three years ago, Peregrine Fund went in there to survey these things. And, uh, and they, I think they maxed out at 19 birds. And Nobody really knows how many are left. It could be fewer than that now. So this is this beautiful little tiny hawk. Surely it is a different species, you know, than than sharpshinned hawk. I'm sure once uh, our friends at the Academy of Natural Sciences of Drexel University here get done doing their sequencing and everything, it'll show that these are different species in all likelihood. And this thing may be just vanishing right in front of our eyes. Really, really sad. Yeah, and um, you know, there's there's these different populations in the uh, Greater Antilles. So I, I've been to Cuba multiple times over the year. I mean, many times over the years leading tours. And there is a resident Sharpshin hawk there as well that I've never seen because it's so restricted to to really the eastern 
you know, there's some mountains in the east, you know, where, where it's found and you sort of have to go look for it. And the, to me, it's a, it's a problem that our conservation focus is so much on the species that we assume, right? We're, when we do that, we're assuming we have everything all worked out. So we're dealing with the right set of, you know, entities, it, it isn't worked out, and, you know, naturalists can go in there and go, that thing's different. I don't care if you call it a species or a subspecies or whatever. That thing is important, and we haven't given them the importance that, they, that some of these populations need. And then when suddenly they become a species or split or whatever, everybody's like, oh, my God, you know, Bahama nuthatch. I mean, uh, everybody who was paying attention knew that the Bahama nuthatch was something special forever yeah anybody who'd seen those birds or the the yellow-throated warblers yeah. that were there yeah. you know everybody everybody knows those things are different right and and unique to to an island especially i mean it uh it's just it's a it's a, a problem that we have this this narrow mind over conservation and what we're conserving we should really always be talking about populations of importance and almost forget whether they're species yeah. or not and just, yeah, go with habitat, just big chunks of habitat as much as we can. Yeah. yeah I mean, we got into this a little bit too, talking about that Martin, um, the, uh, the gray breasted Martin that, uh, Doug Gottschfeld found up there in Brooklyn and, um, uh, and how, you know, those are such tricky birds, but as you and our friend Dan Lane, and I think one or two others were talking about those gray breasted Martins really are probably three different species. Huh? Yeah, it could be three different species and, and maybe yeah. not each other's closest relatives. So, you know, when right. somebody says, Hey, it looked like a gray breasted Martin. I I've, you have to say, well, which one? Cause they're actually different. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we even talked a little bit about how our purple Martins here in North America seem very clearly two separate species as yeah, well. If, uh, if not three, right. Yeah. Cause um, the Western, yeah. Western, the Eastern, and then there's those, the cactus ones in, in the desert. Um, yeah, the deserts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and they extend all the way down into, I wouldn't say central Mexico, but certainly pretty far south into Mexico, which that's interesting. You know, a lot of things that extend south um, as a breeder, often those southern populations are, are you know, kind of the oldest lineage and, you know, but somebody's going to have to sort it out, either voice or um, molecular stuff. There's some molecular some stuff done work. that's been yeah. done already, but yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting stuff. As you say, I think uh, the more folks can get out of the mindset of simply thinking about the species that are presented to them in the field guide or on their lists and think about uh, each of these populations, um, distinct populations. Let me- let me pose something to you, George, though. Like, you know, often um, people will ask me on a, you know, over the years, oh, so you do you, do you keep a, a list, a life list? Huh? And uh, and I say, well, you know, over the years, it, it's become less important to me, the, the actual elements of that list or, you know, how it's structured. I, I look at it on eBird. But when you understand that even the entities that we call species are not set in stone yet, they're, they're fluid. So I could say to you, hey, look, I've, I've seen, I don't know, three species of gray-breasted martin, and I can only count it as one officially. It, it starts making the whole life list a little different, you know, which yeah. – gets the whole point. Why did we call this thing the life list? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We said we were going to get into this a little bit uh, this time around. And I think it's a very good question. And uh, yeah, like, you know, I think it, it, you know, it's good to consider people often ask you, right. If you're a lister or not, Right. right. Would you, would you consider yourself a lister? Well, at times, I guess, but not really, not, not not in the way that they usually mean it. You know, are you are you going and chasing things around and you know trying to add to your list? But but I care deeply about my backyard list, my house list. I and I I 
you know, I don't always remember what the numbers are or anything, but I, I really relish the adding a new one to my, my yard list. I mean, I, having spent a lot of time in Chile, you know, and really worked hard at trying to sort things out in the country, I really, really, you know, if, if, if there's a brand new one for me to see in Chile when I'm out there, I'll make an effort to actually see it more so than if mm-hmm. it was an ABA bird. Um, right. But right. I, I've, over the years, the list, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was a crazy lister because I didn't have any options to see anything different other than where I lived and was sort of a four hour driving radius with local birders. So if a scissor tail flycatcher showed up somewhere, that was going to be my only chance. And at that point in time, I thought maybe in my whole life <laughs> to see a scissor tail flycatcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was a really big sure. deal. Um, and that as travel ha- has happened and so forth, I now understand what I've, what I long for is novelty. So, so that Sharpshin Hawk in Puerto Rico, that is huge. Seeing that when I saw one of those and it was so different from what I knew and it was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Look at that thing. Yet I can't count it as a, as a bird on a, a life list in a sense, cause it's still just a Sharpshin Hawk. So there's the sort of disconnect for me, but you know, Life list. I think what what I, I think the name for for the podcast. What I like about it is that listing is important to birders. Um, novelty is important to birders, but there's more to all of this than just the very simple nature of 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 listing or 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 sort of acquisition type birding. Let's call it. And that's where the life part of it is, right? And even as your mm-hmm. life changes, yeah. how you how you even interact with a list of birds changes. So I thought there was a, a heck of a lot of depth in in a word that we all understand, but we kind of don't because we all interpret it in a different way. So that's, that's my take on the name. That's what I liked about it, you know? Yeah. No, I like it too. I think uh... – all of all birders, I think, in some shape or form. I shouldn't say all, right? But certainly, a majority of us, a list is a structure, uh, or it helps structure your birding a little bit. It helps structure your understanding of what you're seeing. It helps break it down into something manageable. Um, and yeah, I, I think the backyard list is often kind of. I, I like to think of it as the basic unit of listing. And I think um, as people progress as a birder, they often end up caring about county lists, state lists, life lists, not just life lists in the ABA area, but maybe the whole world. And, uh, and for some people, each of those lists are important and, um, and, and things that keep them going, right. Keep them, that keep a chase Uh, alive, things that they can go for. And, you know, I think we've seen it where that can be a really healthy and fun thing and other times where it can be a less healthy uh, thing at times. Sometimes people really just obsess about their lists to the point that they can't actually have a good time when they're out in the field. And I think, uh, you know, uh, as as I'm sure you've heard people say um, on trips, I like to enjoy the birds I see and not worry too much about the ones I don't see. You know, every now and then we all miss a bird we really, really want to see. That's just part of the game. Um, but yeah. I think if you look at your list as a as a as a way to help you build a collection of experiences outdoors, enjoying yourself at peace, or even really, really excited. Or, you know, maybe facing the agony of defeat of a day in the rain or, you know, a long drive where you didn't see what you wanted to see. You know, I think a life, you know, building a life list in that respect, um, you know, in, in some ways that's it kind of parallels the uh, the journey of a birder. Yeah. It, uh, and I think that's kind of what I like. And, about you know, it. you can you can also see it as, you know. In a more philosophical way, a, a, a life list is is an accumulation of experiences, right? So you you can um, you can go to Colombia, you know, and you're you're going to see a bunch of new birds, but you're also 
you know, seeing Columbia. That might be your first time ever. You might also see your first, you know, um, giant otter <laughs> as you did recently. And all of this other stuff that goes on and, you know, you, each region of Columbia has got slightly different breakfast food, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. all different arepas, arepas. Different places have different arepas, yeah, different arepas you know, you know? Yeah. and then all of that adds to the, the life part of it and the accumulation. Like you're not, you're not actually making a list of every kind of little arepa you've eaten. Although I will say the one that's fried and has an egg in it is the best. Ooh. Okay. That's yes. the best arepa. And you know, <laughs> we, uh, it, uh, that was in the north. I, yeah, we, we had those up, up in the north in the Caribbean. So. In the Caribbean. Mm. So, um, nice. yeah, the, the thing is that it's this, yeah, you don't have to be ticking everything off, but you're, you're going through life and you're paying attention. And you're paying attention to the stuff that's around you. And uh, obviously for us, it's birds. And that is part of the list, you know. Um, and yeah. so it's kind of, it doesn't have to be, it can be more a figurative list rather than, you know, a real list. Yeah. 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 I was kind of like you. I was real serious about my, like, ABA area life list. Um and I don't even know what it is now. I know like it's kind of roughly in the low seven, low or mid seven hundreds, um, you know, but, but I, I have a lot of stuff pre eBird that didn't make it in there. And eBird is kind of functioning as my default listing software these days. But what I liked about listing <clears throat> was any, you know, I kept a notebook, you know, mm-hmm. and anytime I got something new, I would write a paragraph about the new bird I saw. Um, who I was with, where I was, the date, other things we saw that day. And uh, of course, I, I have no idea where these notebooks are now. Hopefully, they're buried someplace in a closet. But for years, I loved going back and looking at those and just thinking about all the memories that they would evoke. And uh, and I think that's uh, one of the great things that, that, that birding offers. And I feel the same way today about my many of my eBird lists, you know, I love going on there and, and looking back at some of the stuff seen even, even earlier in the year or 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I think, uh, uh yeah, I, I think the, the philosophical way of, of looking at the life list is a, is a good way to go. And as you say, it, you, you can end up with targets, um, birds you really want to see, not because you care necessarily about adding to your life list, but because, they will get you someplace where you might see that bird, but you might see a whole bunch of other stuff mm-hmm. too. You might meet some cool people and you might eat some really good arepas. Arepas, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all about mm-hmm. the arepas. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that, that'd, be, that'd be a great, you know, the best birding breakfast foods throughout the world, you know. Um, you know, some... I I got, I got to admit, you know, a lot of people really, really talk down about British food, but I found British breakfasts to be amazing. If you had a kind of pub little stay somewhere, a village kind of little inn, and, you know, there's Mm -hmm. that great toast and eggs and, you know, I'm, I'm a meat eater. So, you know, there was some, um, all sorts of different meats involved so man you know um not for everyone but arepas they're they're vegan i think <laughs> yeah yeah maybe not yeah. i don't know no i love some eggs throughout the day man i mean a good a good breakfast um pretty tough to beat and i i love your idea you know i had i have a i had an idea for a restaurant slash bar that I'm gonna I'm gonna just offer up for some you know right got, here for some restaurant. Tour. I got to say a lot of things with you, George. It's uh, something slash bar, <laughs> possibly true. I will neither uh, I will neither confirm nor deny that. I have a great but, idea uh, for a bookstore true. slash bar. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, I, you know, I like uh, I like socializing. I'm a very social person. So what's the idea? So, yeah, I wanted to call it breakfast bar. And the idea was that you would have a bar um, 
where, you know, you know, people like, I don't know where you are, but where I am, like people go to like Denny's at two in the morning, you know, to get like greasy breakfast foods after they've you know been out having some beers. They're like, okay, let's go to Denny's or go to this diner, you know, and, and we'll get some greasy breakfast food. And I was like, you know, I love that concept. I've done it, you know, a number of times myself. And I thought, well, what if you had a bar that was just called the breakfast bar and all basically, you know, during the hours that they opened, they served all sort of the weird different breakfast foods you can get like hominy grits, you know, mm-hmm. scrapple, um, you know, all, you know, variations of pancakes, French so toast. You're, you're um, assuming people you know. in the rest of the world know what scrapple is. You're, you know, that, that's like a regional <laughs> endemic to where you live, you know, roughly. So. It is, it is everything but the squeal, baby. That's what they say. Everything but the squeal. Yeah. So it's a, uh, yeah, it's a sort of Pennsylvania Dutch pork product from, uh, you know, Southern Southeastern PA, Northern Maryland, Northern Delaware. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not for everybody, you know, Scrapple is not for everybody, but, uh, you know, I like having it every now and then. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's not something you can eat a lot of. I don't find I've never known anyone that was like a, you know, my father, perhaps a notable exception, but, uh, <clears throat> most people, you know, limit their scrapple intake. It, it is, uh, as you say, it's a regional endemic, perhaps for a reason. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I'll. I'm gonna have to. I've got some restaurant ideas too. I don't. I don't want to blow all my ideas today, but we'll have to have a have a food. We're gonna have to have a food show one day. Just talk about yeah, best at least a focus group. Yeah, yeah. best yeah. best foods we've had while birding. You know, um, <laughs> absolutely, or, or absolutely. in between birding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You know. Um, yeah, man. The yeah, it's a life list. You know, that's I think you know, and one of the reasons we're talking about it and we're we're explaining it and so forth is that I think there is this interesting and sometimes confrontational nature over the the idea of listing. You know, um, people have this assumption of a person who is really driven by the list. In, in a competitive sense of what they're going to be like, which is not always true, but there are some elements of truth in it sometimes. And um, this also idea that there, there has to be a pure birding kind of non-listing, you know, um, more, I don't know, observational. And, and, and I've never understood the fact that we have to separate it all, that that's part of the beautiful yeah. part of birding is we can have it all um, within birding. Mm-hmm. And today you can be a lister or in your backyard, you can be a lister and tomorrow you can be, uh, you can, you know, record birds or paint birds or just look at the feeder and, or, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I mean, certainly. And, you know, I think I'm the same way. I think we have similar approaches and um you know i i like having days where i know that what i want to do is go to a given spot and census it try to see as many birds in that area as i can and i have other days where i don't want to list at all i just want to walk enjoy being outside and sort of just enjoy whatever i happen to see and, and then there's even times, you know, where I go someplace and I am actively constantly trying to see a particular bird, not even necessarily listing, but just looking for, you know, targeting one thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, those are all really different experiences. Yeah. And I think, uh, there, as you say, there's no reason to, pe- you know, it's supposed to be fun, right? It's supposed yeah. to be fun. People should you know get out of it what they want. And I, I do think, it, as you're sort of suggesting, it's important also not to necessarily judge folks for what they do enjoy about birding. Every, I would say virtually every kind of birding has has real yeah. merits. I got to say that the one thing that for me personally has been kind of an eye-opener in the last few years is there have been situations where some good bird has been seen. And, um, and I, often I want 
it's a bird I'm interested in because not of the list, but I want to get a photograph of it or there's some identification issue that's involved that I think think is interesting. And I go and go and specifically go to see it and I haven't. So you, you dip, right? The classic dipped out mm-hmm. on, on, on a, a known bird and maybe it was never seen again, or maybe it was just that one day it wasn't there, but I've felt bad. I felt bad and i felt like i've failed and i felt like driving back i'm like why did i do that why didn't i just go birding because you can't (laughs) fail at birding you can't you can't you never fail you never feel bad when you're just looking for stuff but when you're out for a very specific quest in a bird it can bring like a negative feeling if it doesn't happen and and i decided i would minimize that in my life for as a, as a bird, yeah, the, the yeah. gains weren't high enough to compensate for that feeling of 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 loss or not loss, but I'm missing out, yeah. failure, perceived yeah. loss, yeah, perceived loss, yeah. And I think for others, it's yeah. the the adrenaline rush of the whole thing, the just hearing about something that they can drive to tomorrow, and and the the just looking forward to that and going crazy. Just thinking about it and the potential is enough of a rush that whether they see it or don't see it, it, it all is good in the end. But for me, it's sort of like, oh, you know, I got to minimize this because I don't like the feeling. So you you, you got to yeah. you got to know who you are, right? With birding, you yeah, exactly. you got to know what you want to take from it. That's really like your thing, you know. And so I've kind of come to yeah. that conclusion. But that doesn't mean I'm anti-listing. It just means like for me. You know, yeah, I, I can't, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pro-listing generally. Like, I like as long as it's, you know, not making other yourself or other people miserable, you know. I think uh, I, I love the concept of county listing. Um, you know, I think people that, that list in their county end up going to all sorts of little godforsaken places, you know, little patches of water or forest that nobody would ever go looking for birds in uh, just trying to see a new bird for their county or their, you know, their patch, whatever. And in the process, making other discoveries, you know, finding, you know, new nesting records of species X, you know? Um, So I think anything that gets people out moving around, enjoying birds is generally a pretty positive thing. Um, And I, so I'm pretty pro listing, but I do think you're right. Like, if you're making yourself miserable in the process, you're probably not, you know, it's probably probably worth uh, reevaluating if uh, how you're how you're doing it because it is yeah. it is supposed to be fun. And you know, I'm I'm not a big chaser either. I I will chase stuff uh, every now and then, you know, especially if it's really something new that I really want to see. There, we had this bean goose that showed up outside Philly and then in Philly a few weeks later. And I definitely went chasing that thing around. I bird I you know had hoped and dreamed to see during my time up in Alaska and never really been in the range of. Right. Otherwise, when it shows up in your backyard, you're like, oh my god, I gotta go see that thing. You know, I remember the first day that thing showed up, I dropped everything and went. Yeah, uh, you know, there's no question. And it was kind of the same thing when the black-backed oriole showed up here uh, four or five years ago, maybe more than that now. Um, and every now and then, I'll you know, I tried to go for the the black hawk up in Maine. And dipped on it and it was actually, it was, but I was with friends, you know, and I knew that even if we didn't see it, we were, we were going to have, it was going to be an eight or nine hour drive turned out being quite a bit more than that due to the traffic. But, uh, you know, even so I knew we were going to have a good time. And so whether we saw it or not was almost immaterial. Yeah. Um, So yeah, chasing listing, I think, you know, again, it's supposed to be fun. I think that's the real key. Yeah, it's a same um, type thing that w- when I'm trying to teach people uh, bird identification and uh, and often somebody will say to me, gosh, you know, I, it's just there's a there's a lot going on and and, you know, the flycatchers and they're, you know, they're it just it just stresses me out. I, I'm in the field and I'll see a flycatcher and I got to figure out what it is and it freaks me out. I'm, I always tell people whoa, you know, like this is fun. Like you gotta, you gotta roll it back, like dial it down where you don't really care so that you're comfortable and kind of at peace. And that's when you learn, you cannot, 
actually learn bird mm-hmm. identification. You know, if you're if you're all stressed, yeah, out. all stressed out, whatever. And yeah. and I find it interesting that people do get that stressed out with birds. But you know, advice to everybody out there is just chill, relax. It's fun. Yeah. And then, then it comes easier, you know, like your brain kind of opens up like a sponge and you're like, I don't, you know, I don't care what this flight catcher is. I'm just going to watch it, you know, just going to watch it and see what it does. And before you know it, you're, you're seeing things, you know, that you wouldn't have paid attention to if you're, if you were like, you know, freaking out about fly catcher. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, I'm, I'm sure the same is true for you. You, you're, uh, you're a bird robot for a lot of your non-birding and friends, and even for a lot of your birding friends. I'm sure you get a lot more ID help requests than uh, than I do, even. Um, and and uh, you know, with something like Impidinax flycatchers, I I I kind of know what to look for and listen for. But people send me a photo of an Impidinax flycatcher a lot of time, just like, oh man, uh, you know, like send me a recording or. You know, I, I'm I'm not apt to look at the photo and know what it is right away, and I don't even really care. But if I was there and happened to see the thing in the field, you know, then I then I'm I'm engaged and I'm interested because you know it's a, it was a bird that I saw. But a lot of the time, you know, it's sort of the same with like female hummingbirds and stuff. People, I don't, I don't really care until I unless I'm actually seeing the bird. You know, um, you know, I have an idea. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I have an idea for all of those requests that you know people like ourselves get just randomly sometimes, or sometimes people you know. It's like we should have a little tip jar, like you know the. <laughs> Starbucks, if you're barista, you know, <laughs> a bucket identification, you know, it's like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, we, sure, we do uh, it all for the love of it, but, um, it, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel like you'd be pulling more weight on that than I would though. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, not sure. It'd be a great deal for you. But, uh, I don't know, man. Yeah. You've written some books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, um, we're getting close to an hour here. I did want to ask you, Al, what you have coming up. Um, you always got one thing or another. Um, have you got some stuff coming up you want folks to know about? I'll give you a second to think about it. I There was two things I wanted to mention. One was we were talking about that Puerto Rican sharpshint hawk. And uh, if folks want, I know the Peregrine Fund has a relief um, fund that they're trying to trying to do their best with this thing, and they're actually um, working on trying to get some some captive breeding and rearing going. So, if folks are interested in trying to help for that. Please go to the Peregrine Fund and look up the Puerto Rican Sharpshint Hawk. The other thing I wanted to do was promote my talk, which I just completed on uh, a Rock Jumper Dream Destinations webinar on Colombia's Wild East. If you Google Rock Jumper YouTube, you will find it there, Columbia's Wild East, where I detail the trip that I completed a little over about a month ago now. And uh, yeah, man, it was a real blast. A lot of good photos to share there. And uh, and so I'd like for folks to check it out if they get a chance. Yeah. But what have you been up to, well, man? What do you got coming up? I, I saw your talk and it's a good one. So, you know, oh, so I, I – I suggest people do do go and see that, and, and you know it's an interesting um, way to see a place through the eyes of, a, of an experienced birder who had actually never been to some of these places, and, and it's, it's interesting to sort of you know what wowed you about the the spots and, and so forth. So yeah, um, you know what I got going. I've got some actual workshops coming up. I'm doing in May. Um, May 10th, there's going to be four classes starting May 10th, a flycatcher workshop, and then there'll be a West Coast Seabirds workshop in June, starting June 3rd. Now, the way you can, if you want to look this up, you go to my website, alvarosadventures.com, and there's a there's an events um, subheading there, and, and all the courses and so on are, are on there. Um, but you know, next next week, 
I'm actually going to Hawaii. That's, you know, maybe we'll talk about that after it happens, but it's, 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 yes. it's not some, you know, by the time this airs, that will have happened. So we can uh, later talk about Hawaii and hopefully some seabird and, you know, uh, some of the Hawaiian yeah. honey creepers uh, can talk to you. Maybe some cool marine mammal. Maybe a cool marine mammal. Yeah. I, I yeah. want to see one of those pygmy right whales. Yeah, like uh, the the co the kojia, yeah. right? Pygmy sperm yeah. whale. What am I saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, pig, yeah right. Pygmy sperm. Yeah, whale. pygmy and dwarf. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds awesome. I'm looking forward to hearing how that goes, and hopefully, you'll get a uh, cool little area running around out there. A little area petrol of some kind, or uh, some other pterodromas. Those are my favorite. Probably my favorite genus of birds in the world. So. Uh, Good luck. Yeah, there. yeah. The, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting um, just to fly. I haven't flown yet for over a year, and uh, you know, it's uh, I'll probably buckle up. You know, get the spiel from the from the thing and start weeping like a child. You know, just uh, <laughs> at the fact that things are sort of shifting to a different gear that. At, you know, a year ago seemed almost impossible. So, uh, yeah, you're going to kiss the ground when you get down there in, in Honolulu. And yeah, you'll see a couple friends of ours, Mandy Talpas and our colleague here at Lifeless Burning Podcast, Molly Brown, yeah. who we're, we want, we want to get her on here soon. Yeah, they're, so they're the leaders. More about what Molly's got going on. Yeah, they're the, the leaders for the trip. And I'm kind of going to, as a kind of uh, hanger on, you know. <laughs> Hang around her. Yeah, hang around her. Basically, you're you're a pelagic uh, hang around. That's right. You know, if there's a boat trip. You're like, oh, yeah, get in on this action somehow. That's right. I'll I'll be doing the eBird list, taking some of the tasks uh, away from, so they can concentrate on you know, the the trip. Maybe I'll. Nice. I'll I know all nice. the annoying questions to ask a tour leader. So. <laughs> <laughs> do that nice we'll be sure to pepper them with those <laughs> yeah yeah good stuff well good stuff enjoyed talking to you as always man and uh yeah thanks everybody for listening and do let us know uh how we're doing and what you'd like us to cover here um yeah we always are eager to hear from listeners so thanks everybody yeah thanks from the west coast and uh yeah we'll 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 do this this again soon. Looking forward to it. All right. Cheers. All right.